This morning's reading is taken from Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42. That's Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, good morning, church. Good morning to everyone here at Emmanuel and to those watching from home. Uh, if you've not met before, my name's Anil Apadu and I'm the Associate Minister at Christchurch. Uh, and it's lovely to be here physically with you, having uh, watched uh, Bart and yourselves uh, preach and lead our prayers and readings over the last year. It's nice to actually be in the building uh, with you. Um, let me just, uh, I just want to, after hearing your notices, uh, commend to you uh, that event coming up with the Christian Institute. Uh, you might have heard in the news this week that there is a uh, Church of England uh, chaplain at a school who has lost his job uh, for preaching uh, in the chapel at a school on identity. Um, and, uh, and the great persecutions come against him for doing so. So let me commend you to come along to that and to hear um, what the Bible and our Lord teaches about who we are and how we're made to be. So let me commend that to you. It is great to be partnering with Emmanuel Church uh, once more for this, this four-part series, Unrestricted Church. Uh, what does it mean to be church as we emerge from lockdown? And today we're asking the question, uh, why not just have online services? After a year of streaming our services to, to YouTube and meeting on Zoom and your own solution that you've met with on a Sunday morning, uh, you'll probably find yourself wondering uh, if we actually do need to start physically meeting together again. I mean, not you guys if you're here in church, but those at home maybe at least. Uh, and I know um, you looked at this last week with Bart. If this should be a priority for us or, or more an occasional luxury on this side of lockdown. Many industries are now moving to have only but essential physical meetings. There's the, the time it takes to get to a meeting and to get back. There's the cost of travel, of hiring a venue, of, of buying drinks or meals while you're out. There's the danger of running late. There's the, the wasted time where meetings run on unnecessarily and it's hard to get out of conversations. And there's also the risk of, of contracting COVID, isn't it, in these current times? And so as we look at our church gatherings, our church get-togethers, uh, it's only natural that we might bring these same questions to our building, isn't it? There's a time it takes to travel to church. If you drove here this morning, there's a, the time to, to find parking here at Emmanuel. There's again the risk of, of walking into a service in full flow late. Sometimes church services can, can run on, especially when the preacher has lost his way. Uh, and you get stuck in conversations afterwards sometimes, and it's hard to leave. Again, there's the risk and fears around contracting COVID, uh, even in the safety of our church buildings. And all of these are only exasperated when you add uh, young children to the mix, or even teenage children for that matter. Also, come on, come on, isn't it just easier 
to sit at home and watch church on a sofa in your pyjamas. So on balance, why don't we just have online services? If you're sitting here in church today, uh, take a moment to wonder why you didn't just stay at home this morning. And if you're watching us from home, take a moment to, to wonder why you haven't joined us here in person. I want to add a caveat at this point. I recognize that we are still in the early days of lockdown. Some people will remain at home for some time to come for any number of reasons, for the fear of transmission being probably quite high up on the list. As a church, we need to love one another and care for each other with grace as we move through this at different speeds. If you're watching from home today because you're afraid, or because you're housebound, or because you're sick, or you're looking after someone, then you need to hear me when I say that we love you, we miss you, and we really wish that you could be here with us today. We recognize there are reasons preventing you from coming and joining us today. Even before the pandemic, there were those who couldn't be with us each week, weren't there, because of uh, these kinds of reasons. And there's no judgment there. But if you decided not to come to church today because actually you quite enjoy watching from your sofa, or after a year of lockdown, you don't see the point in actually meeting together, then my prayer is that God might use this series and this sermon today to help you to see the necessity of meeting together as brothers and sisters and to alert you to potential complacency that may be forming in your discipleship and your heart. Brothers and sisters, God is saying to us today through his word, devote yourselves to God's word, to fellowship one another, and to the breaking of bread and prayer. Devote yourselves to God's word, to fellowship with one another, and to the breaking of bread and prayer. In the short time I've got left, I'm going to unpack what this means for us, looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47, and applying it to our lives today post-lockdown. Let me give you a little context for the reading to start with. The, the first thing to say is that our reading starts with the word they in chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and so on. So a reasonable question for us is, who are they? We're still on the day of Pentecost. And the faithful believers that morning numbered about 120 people, according to chapter 1, verse 15. The Holy Spirit had come upon these believers like a whirlwind and entered into them, using them to erupt in a cacophony of languages, declaring the wonders of God. Chapter 2, verse 11. And note here that this is likely to be a different uh, kind of thing to the gift of tongues that Paul mentions elsewhere in the New Testament. Utterly amazed, those who are standing around witnessing all this ask, what does this mean? To which Peter stands up and gives his first sermon, warning them of the dangers of not believing in Jesus and pleading with them to repent and turn to the Lord. And now if you have a physical Bible open in front of you, uh, glance your eyes up to verse 41 and you'll read this. Those who accepted this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Wow. I mean, that's some spirit-empowered evangelistic preaching, isn't it? That's the power of the gospel. The good news that repentance brings forgiveness of sins for those who turn to the Lord in trust and faith. 
So verse 42 is given us a little window into to what these first 3,000 or so believers were doing. And this is important to us. When we talk about what church is and what church does, we have to remember that we're talking about things that affect a particular group of people. Believers, Christians, the body of Christ, the temple, brick by brick. We're going to hear, or we heard more about this last week from Bart. Now, of course, uh, there will be times when uh, there will be people gathered with us who won't yet declare that Jesus is Lord, and that's fine. If this describes you here this morning, then I want you to hear that you're welcome. We love that you're here with us, and we believe that there's no better place in the world for you to be on Sunday morning than amongst God's people. There is always some level of mixed economy in a church gathering. But we need to be clear also that what we're, what's being prescribed here, what Jesus commands, is not primarily for, for those who don't believe, although it would be very good medicine for them. But for those who trust Jesus, those who have God's spirit living inside of them, to help them to be obedient to his word, to what he commands. So when we think about these first spirit-empowered Christians, these early believers, what were their priorities? Devotion. Now you know what it means to be devoted, don't you? It means to busy yourself with something, or to give yourself over to something, to place the pursuit of something over other things. Like, uh, I'm not a sports person, but if you enjoy sports and your sports team are on the TV and you're devoted to them and your spouse comes to you and says, dinner's ready, and you choose instead to, to continue to watch the match because you're devoted to the team, that's your priority. I'm sure that doesn't describe anyone in church today. Actually, the the sense of the word here is actually to to continually devote yourself to something. This isn't something that Christians are are meant to to give their energy to once in a while, like on a Sunday morning. No. The language here is throughout the week, across their lives, continually devote yourselves to these things. What were these early Christians and, and us to continually devote ourselves to? Three things. The apostles' teaching to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Now we can think of these as as three separate marks of the Christian life. These also are marks that describe what Christians do and have done for centuries, for 2,000 years, when they gather together. The spirit-indwelt Christian and the spirit-empowered church devote themselves to God's word, fellowship with one another, and to the breaking of bread and prayer. So let's look at these briefly in turn. Firstly, they continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now remember, at this stage, the apostles uh, were 12 men set apart as the leaders of this new Jesus movement. When they woke up on that first Pentecost morning, there were about 120 disciples. That's roughly 10 disciples per apostle. An easy number to pastor. But that evening, there's now 3,000. That's about 250 people each. And remember, there are no New Testament letters yet. There are no Gospels written. So the Apostles' teaching was just that. What these 12 men were teaching to the people. Teaching them from the Old Testament. Teaching them what they remember Jesus saying. Teaching them perhaps the Sermon on the Mount. 
And these new Christians were continually devoted to seeking out these apostles and listening to them. I mean, it's exhausting just thinking about it. Now, we no longer have the apostles with us today to instruct us directly. But by God's grace and by his spirit, we have what he has handed down to us in his word, our Bibles. I mean, how fortunate are we in this generation that we can listen to audio Bibles on the go? That we have uh, Bibles in translations that we can read and accept? To have thousands of podcasts and sermons that faithfully seek to apply the apostles' teaching to our lives? To have centuries of Christian music that reminds us of these key truths, to have our foundational texts like our creeds? And this is the reason why God's word is central to all that we do here at Emmanuel Church and Christ Church. We hear God's word read aloud. We give time to hearing that same word applied. Our songs are chosen to be in agreement with it. Our prayers are informed by it. The whole of our services are shaped by God's word. We are devoted to it. God's spirit constantly applying his word to the hearts of his people. Christians for centuries have often been called people of the book and we shouldn't be ashamed about that. Brothers and sisters, devote yourselves to God's word. Okay, now arguably this is something you can do at home on your sofa in your pyjamas. You can watch your service online and, and still have much the same impact as if you were sitting here today. You can study the Bible online too. I've been reading the Bible one to one with a couple of guys over this last year over Zoom. But for the early church, this wasn't a, a private practice. It wasn't something they did in, in only small groups, although they did do that. But verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. These huge courtyards with plenty of room for these 3,000 or so believers to, to meet as a whole gathering, a whole church. And we begin to see more of this communal focus in the second mark of the early church. A spirit-empowered church devotes herself to God's word. And these new Christians continually devoted themselves to fellowship with one another. I don't know what you think about when I say the word fellowship. Maybe a, a book or a movie about hobbits and trolls and dwarves. But the fellowship in view here it is always costly. It means sharing of yourself and your possessions. The same kind of word is used again in verse 44 when it says they had everything in common. That word common and the word fellowship have the same kind of meaning. They shared in their experiences. They shared in their lives. They shared in their homes. They shared in their possessions. They shared in their finances. This is true Christian fellowship. Not a quick hello at the church door, but a giving of yourself. To share in the lives of your brothers and sisters. A fellowship we share because of our fellowship with God. 1 John chapter 1 verse 3. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard. So that you also may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship, John writes, is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus, who gave up everything to bring us into relationship with himself the ultimate true example of costly fellowship 
And we, brothers and sisters, are united with each other in costly fellowship because we are united in him by his spirit. Brothers and sisters, devote yourselves to fellowship with one another. And now this gets harder to achieve online, doesn't it? Sure, we can have phone calls and Zoom calls after church and our online gatherings. But when we gather in church, we are saying it's important for us to physically be here together. To be among one another. And that can be costly, can't it? You have to get up early. You have to look presentable to come to church, don't you? If you come to church with children, especially without a spouse... You know the cost of that. As you on your own have to to look after your children as they kick off or as a baby starts to scream or trying to, to scoop them all up to leave after a service. Those of you who have come to this building with children over the last year of lockdown have experienced the cost of this kind of fellowship. As your children, I imagine restlessly and relentlessly roll around on the floor in church and get bored. I know mine did, and I can see them at church on the cameras at home. For you, there has been a cost to our fellowship together over the last 12 months. And we want to honour you and your fellowship that you have sacrificially endured so that we can have fellowship with you. A spirit-empowered church devotes herself to costly fellowship instead of easy discipleship. Brothers and sisters, continually devote yourselves to God's word, to fellowship with one another, and to the breaking of bread and prayer. These two things, the breaking of bread and prayer, can be joined together as something we might call worship. I take the breaking of bread here to be referring specifically to the Lord's Supper rather than just generally eating together because in verse 46, Luke separates those two things by saying they broke bread in their homes and they ate together. Breaking of bread has a particular meaning, especially when it's surrounded by these spiritually loaded words like fellowship and prayer. This is more than just a regular meal. And this is one of the things that we can't be part of in an online service. Where Holy Communion appears in the Bible, it is always in the context of a group of people gathered together physically. At first, it was Jesus with his disciples, but then it's a mark of the whole church community. And communion isn't something we can ignore. We're commanded to do it. It is indispensable to the life of God's church. Okay, so you might be wondering now uh, why we can't just place some bread and a cup of wine in front of the TV and join in as the minister blesses the elements from the screen. Now, there are lots of answers I could give in response to that. But the most simple answer is this, that we are not actually in communion with the rest of the church when we are in our homes. You may have a family around you, And you may invite your small groups to join together, sticking to the rule of six, of course. But there will be others at home, on their own, who for them, the reality of their isolation is made only more obvious as they watch a communion service. 
part of the richness of communion is our oneness. As we share the same loaf of bread and the same cup of wine. Something we can't do as a church family when we are not together. Also, Holy Communion is also uh, always approached with a posture of repentance and reconciliation. I know my stubborn heart. And I know it's very easy for me to be at home, unrepentant and unreconciled to people. Much harder to do so in the building with people around me. Now, you may still not be in agreement with me on this one. So I just want to leave you with a final thought on it. In the Anglican Church, uh, which we are part of here at Emmanuel and at Christchurch, we understand Holy Communion and baptism to be of a similar spiritual significance. They are both sacraments. That means they're things that Jesus has commanded us to do. Now, do you think if a parent uh, sat at home in front of a TV with their child in front of it uh, and splashed water onto their child's head, as I said the words of the baptism service uh, here through the screen, that they would be participating in the same kind of church family baptism that you, that you may have had? Of course not. There are some things that can only be done together. And like we've seen in our passage, that is the way that God has organized his church. To be the body of his people who meet together physically. And did you see what happens when the church does gather in this way? Physically? Publicly? Verse 47. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Amen. God's plan for saving people is through his church. And a church is a gathering of his people. Yes, at the moment there are things in church that, that aren't what we're used to. We still can't sing together. We still can't hug one another. We have to wear masks and we have to keep distance. When we have communion, it feels different. And so many other things. But rather than allowing these things to put us off meeting together, let me encourage you, particularly if you're considering this from home, to take your discomfort to the Lord. Imagine Jesus, before his incarnation, uh, looking down on Nazareth and saying, you know what? I'd rather stay up here. Far more comfortable than living in that dust trap. Jesus was born into a world to live among us, to, to rub shoulders with us, delighting in sacrificial, uncomfortable fellowship with the creatures who he had made, to bring us into fellowship with him and his Father by his Spirit. Don't look at this small, local expression of God's universal church as the thing that defines what worship really is. But instead, delight in what we can do. Allow this discomfort to, to lift our eyes beyond ourselves to the great gathering of God's church, where one day every tribe, nation and tongue will gather around the throne of the Lamb giving praise to him. With no COVID, with no face masks, with no social distancing. Just pure worship in the new heavens and the new earth. But in the meantime, brothers and sisters, 
devote yourselves to God's word, to fellowship with one another, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Please bow your heads to pray. Father God, we thank you that by your spirit you have uh, left us with a testimony to who you are, to what you have done. As we think forwards to Ascension and to Pentecost, we thank you for the outpouring of your spirit upon your people, gathering us together, turning our hearts from stone to flesh that we would truly worship you. Lord, we pray particularly for those uh, who are at home today who for sickness or fear or other reasons aren't able to join us. That as a church community, we would have love for another, that there would be grace with one another as we move forward at different speeds. But Lord, by your spirit, I ask that uh, you would encourage us, particularly those who are in danger of being complacent, encourage us to, to not forsake meeting together. That by your spirit, you would draw us together with one another. That we wouldn't look to this church gathering here to be, to be a perfect example of what it looks like to worship. But instead, in our sacrificial discomfort, to enjoy fellowship. And Lord, we pray that you bless this gathering. That by your spirit, you would outpour it among the people here in, in, in Tolworth and beyond. That as the church meets at Emmanuel, uh, your word goes out and your your, your church grows. Lord, do miracles in this place, we ask. In your son's name and for your mercy, we pray. Amen.